Welcome back to Voices at Play, an actual play podcast focused on games by marginalized creators played by marginalized people. Today, playing with me, we have Cass. Hi, I'm Cass. My pronouns are she or they. I will be playing Zari. Their pronouns are they, them, and their familiar is Raz the Raccoon. You can find me at Twitter on CassKDesigns. And we also have Peridot. Hi, I'm Peridot. My pronouns are they, them. I'll be playing as Mira and their familiar Freya. Their pronouns are they, them, both of them. You can find me on Twitter at Tune Elemental, and that's Tune is in cartoon. And I'm Chelsea. My pronouns are she, her, and sometimes they. And you can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Bites. And I'll be your host and game master. Today we'll be playing Familiars of Terra by Elizabeth of Angry Hamster Publishing. Familiars of Terra is a unique card-based tabletop RPG centered around the Seekers and their animal companions, following their calling and pursuing their destiny, for better or worse. So without further delay, let's get back into it. So where we left off, you guys sighted something in the woods. It didn't look normal, and it kind of gave you a, a chill down your spine when you lay dry eyes on it. And you both looked at each other and you asked, did you see that? And yes, you did. But as you both are looking and observing this uh, appearance, Mira notices a bracelet on the ground. Hmm. What do you do? Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick that up and take a close look at it. As you pick it up, you notice that it seems like, you know, something that a... A child would wear. It's very small. Mm -hmm. It uh, is definitely from uh, Micah or from uh, from uh, nearby the town. As you noticed, these similar uh, trees and uh, patterns that you saw woven into everyone's clothing. So it's you notice after some inspection, like, oh, this is something from the town. Okay. I think uh, I think this must have belonged to our girl. As you further inspect this bracelet, you look down towards the ground and you can kind of see uh, where uh, a disturbance happened and it looked like something took off in a run, disturbing uh, the surrounding area. You can see broken uh, uh, bushes kind of, uh, you know, kind of disturbed, like chunks of it were taken out. Mm-hmm. Like someone wildly running through them. You know, the ground kind of looking dise- disheveled and things like that. Yeah, so, so something big or something small? Something small. Like, you know, a small thing kind of ran through there. Yeah, and I uh, I sort of bump Ziri on the arm and say, Hey, uh, I think we're looking at this direction here. And I sort of point in the direction of all that uh, disturbance. Mm-hmm. And then start pretty much heading that direction right away. Okay, okay, so you follow it. Uh, does Ziri follow as well? Yes, and I think I would try and see if Mira would let Roz go in the lead, because Roz is very strong and fast. Yeah, absolutely. So Roz uh, leads the way. I'm assuming it's Roz, then uh, Ziri, then Mira. Marching order? Um, Sure. Unless Mira wants to go. I mean, Mira's very overzealous i guess so i figured that they would be close to the front as as close as possible so maybe that 
Right, right. Okay, so you can you both can closely follow behind Roz. So Roz, uh, I could go ahead and uh, let's let's see if Roz can follow this uh, trail. Oh. And I'm gonna go ahead and have you draw for his awareness. And that's the flaw in the plan. Roz is good at smashing. Roz is not good at noticing. <laughs> Ooh, I needed a five and I got a three. Oh, great. Excellent. That's that's great. So Roz can easily, you know, kind of pick their way around, uh, you know, the unnecessary stuff and follow the path. Roz leads you both through the bushes. As you can see, it's kind of like, you know, somebody desperately kind of pushed their way through them. So you guys kind of clear that path. And as you're walking through uh, this lifeless, uh, corrupted woodscape, uh, you see that there is another home tree. And uh, it's a ways away. Roz is clearly leading you uh, both towards it. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Roz, I believe. Like, I don't think there's any reason not to for me. I'll definitely follow, but I've... I want to, since Roz is close to the ground, keep an eye on, like, everything above us. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're observing above you. Uh, nothing seems to be too, you know, characteristic. The whispers have still been kind of persistent, kind of making you look around, looking to see if there's anyone there. There's a, the chill is still kind of set into your bones. You're kind of uncomfortable. Everything, everywhere you look around, it's kind of like a almost like a fire had come through here and like it, everything was just kind of charred and black and uh, corrupted to say the least. So as you both approach this home tree, uh, you hear whimpering, crying. Uh, the thing about home trees is that, you know, they still have their home and uh, there's a tree, a tree house kind of still standing on this one. And then, of course, there is an entrance into this uh, treehouse. And you still hear the, the whimpering and kind of, you know, sobbing. Coming from inside? Or? Coming from above in the treehouse, yes. Um, I think uh, Freya is going to climb up the tree and sort of peek into the house. Like, not necessarily go inside, but like, see what they can see. Oh, okay. So Freya's gonna climb up into the. Is he gonna? Is uh Freya gonna go onto the treehouse or just kind of skirt around the tree, um, see uh what's inside? Like I'm assuming there's like windows or something that they can sort of peek into. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah, for sure. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so I want you to uh again draw for Freya's awareness. Not gonna do it. Uh, it's a it's a Jack, and I have an eight. Oh, Freya. Poor Freya. <laughs> Freya kind of, you know, climbs up, looks around the uh, window. Uh, they know they hear some noises, but they can't necessarily uh, pin it down. Can't make out anything. So, right. So Freya looks back at you, and she kind of waits your instructions. Hmm. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and make my way up towards it, I guess. So you enter the home tree and you see a winding staircase go up towards the tree house. You see some things kind of laid out at the base of this home tree. 
like someone had grabbed their things and hurriedly left. Things are kind of strewn about. Um, it still seems like it's a, you know, the shell of a nice home, but nonetheless, the shell it is. You can still hear the uh, the crying, even inside the home tree. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna start heading up the stairs. I'm gonna sort of glance back at Ziri and see if uh, see if they're coming with. Um, I think this may be a terrible idea. It most certainly is a terrible idea. But I wanted to see if there were any, if there was like a lift on the outside or any um, kind of ladders. Basically, if I could climb up the outside of the tree. Well, uh, home trees are definitely known for their versatility. So after some looking, you find a ladder. Uh, also hanging down from the other side of the uh, the treehouse. So it's another possible entrance. I think I'm going to go up that way, and I tell Roz to be ready to catch me if I fall. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So you both head up in your own, uh, in your own routes. So Mira, of course... Uh, walks into the entrance of the treehouse, and you know it's it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. You have uh, a type of like living space, and uh, you can look into the uh, the area like uh, an, an eating area, I guess, like a kitchen almost. Not necessarily more like a pantry, even with a dining area. And uh, this also looks out onto the porch so you can kind of get a good view of the whole tree house from here just from like this corner okay and uh the as you have walked in you can kind of start to pinpoint the crying further into the tree house uh near the kitchen area and uh ziri you have come in uh on the back porch uh that uh mira cannot see and you can see into directly into the dining area. So your paths are about to intersect. And uh, you're closest to the pantry. And you can hear the whimpering and crying a little louder than he, I mean, they, than they do. And uh, what do you both do? Hmm. Um, I want to keep continuing in the direction of the crying. Um, and I'm just going to say, like, hey... Um, Hi, I, I'm a seeker. I'm going to come in. Um, I'm here to here to help. Uh, I'm just going to come inside now and sort of approach slowly. The whimpering stops. It's silent. Hmm. Spooky. Um, was there like a door or anything between me and where the whimpering was and where I am? Can you both uh, draw for awareness one more time? That's not going to do it. Keep drawing face cards on awareness. <laughs> And I passed the check. Awesome. Okay. So, Ziri pinpoints the crying or the uh, the source of the crying or that it just happened in the pantry. So, uh, Ziri can kind of get a good idea of where it was coming from and she can investigate further. I'm going to sort of move slowly towards it, but I also wave Roz nearby. And tell him to be ready to be cute or to bash <laughs> something. 
if, depending on how this goes. So, like, cute or destroy. Hmm, there we go. They uh, walk into the pantry. And this is, this is quite a large pantry. So as you look towards the corner, you see a figure, a small figure kind of huddled up behind a couple of uh, large barrels. And they're kind of peeking out. They're curious a little. They're still obviously a bit frightened. I might have missed it. What do they look like? Uh, You can't really see. It's kind of dark. There's no lights on, actually. But you can kind of make it out from the... uh, from the shadows that there's a figure, like a small silhouette, in the corner of this pantry. It's the one place in the treehouse that doesn't have much light because of where the uh, sun is set. Which it's still, it's like a, and, and to give y'all some perspective on time, it's like a mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. I tell them, it's okay, my friend is gonna come check on you. And then I sort of wave rosin because i imagine i think raccoons have better like vision in the dark and Mm -hmm. i tell them um for sure you know calm them down okay so go ahead and draw a charm it's a one excellent so this draws the figure out uh actually very confidently they kind of rush up to roz and it's like they've they're greeting an old friend and You can identify that this is, you know, a young girl. Uh, She was clearly uh, crying a lot. You can see that her feet are kind of battered from from running. And uh, she looks a little worse for wear, but she's alive. And she's kind of just clinging on to Roz, petting him. She's, uh, she kind of looks at both of you. And uh, she says, where's mommy? She's, uh, she's back in town. Are you Soraya? We have to go back? Yeah, we do. Um, we're, we're here to get you back. Uh, but that thing is out there. And I sort of, I sort of look at uh, Ziri. I, I say, Soraya, it's okay. Roz is very scary. Roz, do your scary face. <laughs> <laughs> I assume Roz does his scary face. Yeah, whatever, like, a little raccoon snarl is. Um, And then he goes back to, like, looking cute. Uh, And I say, see, Roz Roz scares everything in the Badlands away. They can't stand to go up against that face. (laughs) Soraya observes Roz, and then she looks at the both of you, and she says, Well, he does look scary. He could take care of that thing. And she kind of grips on the Roz. And uh, she says, how long is it going to take us to get back? Well, as long as uh, things go smoothly, we should be back in uh, less than an hour or so. Um, is it like, what What time is it? Like, what time during the day is it? Well, it was around mid-afternoon about now because you guys arrived early morning. Um, I'll say it's in in our time, not... Not actual game time. Uh, it's getting close to around six o'clock. We're starting to head into evening. Okay, not quite like sundown yet. Not just yet. So yeah, we, we're getting we're getting to around sundown. Skies turn a little orange. Okay. Well, if we uh, if we get very lucky, we should be back before sundown. But uh, 
we're going to be very, very careful so we can avoid that thing. She says, okay. And so she steps out of the pantry and she kind of looks at you guys on what to do next. My mommy told me not to come out here, but it's just so interesting. Yeah, what's, uh, what do you, what's interesting about it? What do you what do you like to look at out here? I like the voices. They whisper a lot of different things. <laughs> oh. Do you did you hear the voices? Well, I I was hearing some noises, but I uh nothing I could make out. Can you can you understand them? They say a lot of different things. Like help, why, you know. A lot of questions. <laughs> oh god, spooky. Uh hmm. So she's starting to uh, warm up a bit. Roz is giving her, you know, some confidence. And uh, we start to see that she starts to talk a little more. And she gets a little worried that her mom's going to be upset. She's like, was mommy okay? She was uh, She was upset that you were gone. But I think she's going to be very, very happy when we get back. I hope so. Mommy likes to cook a lot. And I don't like to cook. So while she cooks... I go and explore. I want to explore my whole life. That, uh, sounds like me when I was your age, actually. Do you explore? I do a lot of exploring. And I'm a seeker. It's my job. (gasps) Oh, you're that seeker everyone was talking about. Everyone was saying, seeker this, seeker that. Seeker's gonna fix this, and seeker's gonna fix that. What are you gonna fix? Uh, well, we're hoping to... Stop the, uh, the bad stuff that's, uh, taking down all our, sort of, sort of attacking all of the home trees here. Um, we don't want anyone else's house to go away, you know? Um, as well as, you know, if there are any scary creatures out there, we want to make sure that we get them taken care of as well. At the word of scary creature, she kind of, you know, becomes painfully aware, you know, aware of her surroundings. She says, I like my home tree. I don't like the scary monsters. And she grabs on to Roz again. She says, can we go home? I, I look at uh, I look at Ziri and sort of shrug and nod and start heading towards the door. So you both start to leave? Yes. Awesome. Okay. So you kind of uh, follow the path that you took before. It's uh, taken a little less time now since you know where you need to go. You notice that uh, things start to get a little more intense as the sun uh, starts to set. The whispering gets a little louder. It gets uh, tangibly just cold now, almost like uh, it's void of any warmth. So, of course, Saray is holding on to Roz uh, very tightly. As you pick your way through... You hear noises behind you, like something's rustling, some, uh, some feet back, uh, a considerable distance, but not too far, like something's stalking you. Okay, well. Soraya's starting to look around. Given that, uh, that Roz is kind of keeping Soraya close right now, uh, this hasn't worked out for me the the last couple times, but, uh, I'm gonna see if Freya can kind of hang back a little and see what they can see. I'm assuming that's awareness. Um, gosh, darn it. Okay, that's not going to do it. That's a nine. <laughs> oh, Freya. Freya, you know, scarts through the bushes, through the through the dead stuff, and looks around uh, in the surrounding area, climbs a few trees and looks around, but 
other than seeing things uh, from far away, kind of flitting in between the trees and uh, almost seeing, you know, some things, but not quite sure. Freya comes back and uh, kind of uh, reports, you know, all things are go. All things seem normal. Okay. Freya, you poor sweet baby. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep, uh, I'll keep on kind of heading along a little bit cautious and worried because obviously there's still noises, but yeah. Um, I, I asked Soraya what the voices are saying now. The voices just sound a little angrier. Uh, you can kind of recognize things from, uh, from the, uh, things that kind of happened, like, during the war. There's people screaming. Uh, it's, it's literally like a montage of people going through, uh, the tragedy of the Great War. So you hear basically a lot of what Soraya was saying. People screaming, asking why, help me. Uh, why are you doing this? Why has this happened to me? Things like that. It has gotten a little more intense. Sounds like it. But uh, not not necessarily like, oh, screams so loud that they're, you know, clouding out your sound. More like, just like whispers or, but they, like whisper screams, I guess you could say. Like you have to focus on it to, to tell what they're saying. Right, exactly. But you can still hear them all the time. I get you. Yeah. Okay. I think I make sure I have my my trophy in my hand. So I'm like ready to repel anything that tries to come close. Awesome. Okay. That's perfect. So you all continue along, picking back uh, towards the town, towards Micah. And Soraya starts to recognize things. And she picks up her old path. And she says, oh, we're almost home. She jumps off of Roz. And she runs ahead. Ooh. I tell Roz to catch up with her. And then run as well. Towards her. So as you round the bend, you see Soraya standing there. Roz kind of uh, corralling her, keeping her from running any further. And she says, I was just trying to get home. I'm right here. And she turns around to face you both and she freezes. <sighs> Roz also starts to, his hairs are raised and he immediately goes on the defense. And he's they're both looking at something behind you. Before I even look... I want to activate my trial of courage. Um, so whatever is there can't move closer unless they succeed at a wit check. Um, so I think I like pull it out and I imagine it's, it's from the Badlands, the, my trophy. So I imagine it's like a twisted charred, like piece of rock. Um, and maybe it just starts to glow a little bit as I activate it. And then almost like cartoon style, I very slowly turn around to look at what's there. No, I'm, I'm also going to turn around, um, like, fairly slowly, but, like, not even, like, looking over my shoulder, just kind of turning my entire body at once. Mm. Perfect. So you both turn around, and 
as the sun is setting, you catch the glimpse of this tall, spindly, gray thing. Its limbs are as spindly as as uh, twigs almost, and its eyes are empty, almost black, like there's nothing in them. There's no hair on this thing. It is almost like a stretched, slimy skeleton. Its skin sticks on it like wet paper, and it is gaping. Its eyes are gaping at your group, and it's standing above. uh, The only thing separating it from you is some bushes that it's standing behind. And it's, it's standing and it's staring at you all. Now, uh, this uh, trophy seems to be keeping it from moving any closer. But it continues to uh, observe you all. Soraya starts to cry. I sort of lift my voice a little bit and say, what is your name? It continues to stare. It uh, kind of moves its head back and forth a little bit to kind of, like, it's kind of just sizing you up. It starts to even drool a bit at the sight of Soraya. Hmm. It opens its mouth, and it shows off some of the sharpest teeth you have ever seen. And it lets out a low, menacing growl. At that, I tell Roz, Roz, smash. So Roz goes to uh, smash this, uh, what you can consider a lesion. And uh, it fades as quickly as Roz uh, approaches it. And you see it reappear some feet away. Because Roz is still within uh, your, uh, the circle of your trophy. I I wish I knew the area of effect of this trophy. So I'm going to, I'm going to let Roz be protected by your trial of courage. So it can't move any closer, but you get the feeling that uh, Roz will be in danger if uh, he uh, pursues any further. I look over at Mira and say, should we back away and see if it follows? Okay, yeah, I, uh, I start to back away, like, but sort of veering off away from where, uh, Soraya is, um, to, you know, make sure that if it's going to follow me, that I'll sort of lead it away from, uh, from her. So you don't bring Soraya with you? No. Um, it does, it does not move. It continues to observe. It starts to, uh, visibly, uh, uh, just tons of saliva just falling from its mouth now. I'm gonna have Freya um, like kind of hop up like maybe a nearby tree and sort of try to get closer to it. Um, Maybe somewhat sneakily. Um, Okay, so uh, go ahead and draw your stealth. That would be agility, right? Oh, my bad. Yes, agility. That's a... Three, um, and I have a ten, so yeah. Perfect, awesome. I, w- I want them to sort of be like above and beside them, or asi- above and beside the monster, so that they can like get a clear path to like jump at it if uh, if needed. Oh, I'll let you. Here, you can go ahead and describe it. How uh, it's uh, there's plenty of trees uh, in the area. It's like 
it can kind of uh, just imagine like a, a landscape of just like dead trees that have, you know, tons of branches and things off of them. No leaves. Uh, you know, there are some dead bushes around. You both are on this path that Soraya uses quite frequently to go around with her friends. So it's kind of, you know, beaten. So there's a clear path uh, back to uh, the home trees. Uh, you're not so, so far away. It, it it might take you another 10 to 15 minutes to get there walking. Um, and uh, the sun is starting to set. So you can see the sun through the trees and things are starting to get a little darker now. So yeah, you can you can you can kind of place Freya wherever you'd like to place them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they... Uh they spend a lot of their time like hanging out in the various pockets on the cloak that uh that Mira wears so they sort of hop out of a pocket climb up their shoulder and then jump off onto the side of a tree um and probably like kind of hop between a few like different boughs and branches and end up uh at a tree that's like like on on the end of a branch at a, in a tree that's like let's say slightly behind it but like maybe like a foot behind it but like maybe 5 or 6 feet above it um, just sort of on the edge of that branch, looking down at the uh, at the creature. Um, Soraya, still frightened by all of this, after seeing both of your familiars kind of take action, she takes some steps back, and uh, kind of falls. And the the lesion, as you both have identified it as, you kind of you know recognize it from your training. It uh kind of responds to that. It takes a few steps forward as if kind of zoned in on Soraya. Um, I'm going to step back in front of Soraya since it didn't follow my movement. It's just staying with her, or staying on her. Just kind of gently shuffle. So I'm like between them, not necessarily directly in front of her, but between them. The lesion, after observing you, all of you, because it, uh, it hasn't noticed Freya, but after sizing up uh, Zeri, Raz, and Mira... It begins to walk forward, and then it reaches. It, it seems to get. I'm not really sure the uh, the distance on your trial of courage, so I might put it a little, just a little too close for comfort, if that's okay. But um, it reaches to about ten to fifteen feet from Roz, and it realizes that it can't approach any further, and it kind of, <clears throat> it kind of uh, stops in its tracks. It gives out the loudest roar that you have heard, uh, you know, ever. And it uh, stalks away and disappears. Soraya's in tears on the ground. Raz kind of relaxes. Freya is uh, currently grooming themselves on their branch. So things seem to be okay for the moment. Calm down a bit. Mira lets out like a very long breath, like that they have been holding for like quite a while. Soraya <laughs> <sighs> gets up, wipes away her tears. She's like, we got to get out of here. I'm scared. Yeah, we do have to get out of here. We are going to head back toward the town. Uh, and I, uh, I kind of whistle and Freya comes back to me. You all make your way and you successfully make it back to the home trees. Saray is very happy to see her home tree. But of course, none of the residents are here 
and they are all in the town. So you all make it back to the town, and uh, you see everyone gathered up. And after some finding, after, you know, some looking, you all find Soraya's mother, who is so, so, so happy that uh, she is overcome with joy and uh the rest of the town is uh pretty happy about that as well um i think i'm not gonna say like much or like if they ask questions just give them like the minimum possible answer because i don't want to freak anyone out because we obviously have to go back out there um (laughs) so i don't want to i don't want to freak anyone out unduly like i'd rather they uh just relax for the moment now that that kid's back where she should be. Soraya's mom is just kind of looking her over a lot, making sure Soraya's okay. Uh, asking her a whole bunch of questions. Where were you? Why were you out there? I told you to stay put. All of this stuff. Are you okay? Are you hurt? And of course, Soraya just has some, you know, battered feet. You know, she just needs to get some bandages, minor cuts and whatnot. She says, the seeker saved me. It's okay, mom. I'm fine. We did see something scary out there. It was... It was huge. And some of the villagers kind of pick up on this. And they're like, see? You hear whispers, you know, see, we told you there's something out there. There's a whole lot of things out there. You just hear a lot of whispers, a lot of, uh, you know, like, I told you she saw it. I told you so type of stuff. And, uh... They're all kind of uh, gathered outside of the uh, of the the tavern at the moment. Uh, you can see the bartender kind of, you know, bringing around her drinks, making sure everybody's settled. Everybody's discussing uh, what they saw uh, past the home trees. And, uh, you know, you see a few familiar faces. You see the old woman. She's surrounded by a large group of... Uh, you know, varying, like, young and old, uh, you know, men and women. And uh, they're all kind of, they seem to be in a discussion of what to do uh, about their, uh, you know, just trying to make sure that things are settled. If they've left anything, they seem to be in a, a large discussion of, you know, what to do about their affairs. So you, you, see, uh, you see familiar faces now that you've been kind of ingrained in Micah. Um, I think I would ask, like, maybe the woman, the the older woman, because she's been in this area for a while, who that home tree belonged to, because it seemed like it was pretty far out in the Badlands. Oh, that home? Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, So you approach the family, and they all kind of look, uh, they all kind of turn. Some are still in deep conversation about, you know, where they think they should move next, what they should bring, uh, why they shouldn't bring this because it's just going to weigh the wagon down, you know, those types of things. And a few of them look at you and they say, oh, it's the seeker. And they uh, give you their full attention. The grand, I mean, the the woman that you call grandma, she's kind of just, uh, she's just, you know, seated, kind of looking off. And uh, you approach the grandmother and you say, uh, do you know about the, uh, about the families that used to uh, live here? We found a home tree uh, not too far from, um, 
uh, from where you live. And the grandma kind of looks up at you and she says, uh, let me guess, it was covered in rot, wasn't it? Yes, completely. Well, I don't know whose home tree that was, but pretty soon I'm sure everyone's home tree is going to look like this. And she kind of goes back. She looks almost uh, defeated, like she's kind of just lost a lot of her... uh, you know, a lot of her her home. And she's just kind of letting the everyone else decide what to do. Hmm. I mean, I think I would probably go to Mira and ask them if they want to head back out tonight or if they want to prepare more before going back into the Badlands. I don't know that heading out tonight would be wise. It's, uh kind of their home turf and we don't know our way around especially not in the dark so i think uh morning is probably our best bet so you would like to uh go ahead and take a rest for the night yeah see if we can get a room or something all right all right no no uh night crusades i can appreciate that so you approach the uh bartender uh from earlier and uh, they ask you ask if you uh, can have lodging for the night. And of course, she is profusely. She's like, you're our savior. You brought Soraya back safe and sound. Soraya likes to help me out in the kitchen. And of course, I trade her services for delicious meats and treats that she loves. So thank you for saving my number one helper. And she sets you all up in one of the nicest rooms in the tavern. So you guys have a place to stay. No, I think uh, I think I just grab a meal um, and get some rest. All right, so you eat and you go down and you and Freya enjoy what's uh, there at the bar. Have your meal and then you turn in. I think I'll stay up just a little longer, trying to be kind of inconspicuous to see if the town people talk about anything else that sticks out. So kind of just eavesdropping a little bit. Well, as a little time passes, you know, some people, uh, they uh, start to head in. The uh, old woman is still, you know, out sitting in her place. She has some of her family members kind of sitting with her. Um, the mother and Soraya, they uh, they go ahead and turn in with uh, inside of the tavern as well. And you can uh, see that uh, things are a little uncertain. People don't really know exactly what to do next. And uh, the grandmother is joined with another elder of her family. And they both sit and they start to have a conversation. Nothing too uh, involved. It all seems matter-of-fact. I think I'll probably just eavesdrop for a little while, and if it doesn't seem like anything else is being said that stands out, I'll probably go to sleep. They have a conversation, and then they also join their families and turn in for the night. And nothing happens at night. Nothing, no commotions. Everything's well lit. Uh, you can kind of, everything seems to fend off all of the creepy crawlies of the night. So you have a peaceful rest. Before Zeri went to sleep, since they stayed up a little later. They did notice that uh, as they looked out of the window from their room in the tavern, it 
uh, opens up to the entrance of Micah. They did see a campfire in the distance, some ways off. Not something to seem uh, so, uh, not something alarming. Just like some uh, travelers in the woods. But you think nothing of it. And you sleep. And then in the morning, you wake up, all of you. You wake up to a commotion outside. It sounds like there's a gathering. Uh, some people kind of, uh, not necessarily yelling, but they sound like they're concerned. Uh, concerned conversation. A lot of, uh, just a lot of people talking all at once. Um, I would definitely want to get in on that, see what's up. I'll hang back for a second and see if I can hear anything beforehand. But if like I can't hear anything distinct, then I'll just go ahead and head right out. There's a window. You can look out of it if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. So Mira looks out of the window and they notice that there are three riders and one of them is riding a large, he's decked out. He's got quite a few weapons. He looks very formidable. And he's also accompanied by two other uh, riders. They are riding horses instead. You recognize immediately they also have uh, familiars attending them. Uh, But, you know, their uh, familiars are a large cheetah. And one has a bird perched on its shoulder. Just a nice small canary. And clearly, this man riding this boar, this is his familiar. Uh, They seem to be uh, connected, and they almost move together. You can't quite uh, catch the conversation, but you can see that he is uh, trying to talk to the crowd. He hasn't gotten off of his steed. They're all kind of uh, sitting on their steed and addressing the crowd, and the crowd looks concerned. I think I would take Roz with me. And uh, sort of slip out of the tavern, trying to get into the crowd without being noticed. Without being noticed? Yeah. So, like, joining the crowd, but not trying to do it without people drawing attention. Got it, got it. Okay, you can do that easily. So, you join this crowd, and you hear uh, this man addressing the crowd. He's saying... Let me speak to your village leader. There's some things we need to discuss. Some important deals. Something to help you guys out. You seem to be in a rut. And that corruption, it's only going to creep up. And he continues, and the crowd, they seem to be like, Who are you? What do you want? That type of deal. Well, I'm assuming I heard all that through the window, so I'm going to go ahead and head down once I spot that uh, that Zeri's out there. And sort of join up with the crowd as well and get close to Zeri and be like, hey, what's uh, what's the deal? So this man scans the crowd and then he sees uh, Raz. Then he notices you both. And of course he says, ah, seekers. And he gets down off of his uh, mighty boar and he approaches you. And the crowd parts to uh, give you guys room. Hmm. And uh, I sort of give him a wave and a, he- and a head tilt like, OK, like, what's up? He comes up and he asks, what brings you to this town? I'm pretty sure I can guess it. I hold my arms like over my chest and say, then guess. Ah, you're here to fight off that corruption. You can see it bleeding through the woods, ready to swallow up this town. Tell me, 
You have a plan. First, who are you? And why are you here? Ah! I'm surprised you haven't heard of me. My name is Borath, and we are here to liberate this town, as we have done other towns, from this disgusting corruption. We have gone from the towns all the way from Achibo, and now we are here in Micah to free you from their same afflictions. This He does this when you ask him what he's doing here. He kind of turns away from you and he addresses the crowd more than, you know, looking directly at you. And then after he's done uh, telling them uh, about, you know, his, his travels and how he's helped all of these cities that he's come across, he turns to you. And he's like, I, I need your... He asks for... Uh, he, he wants some help. He says, I think you need to help me convince these people why we're their best option. You also understand the plight of the corruption. Come on, I need you to uh, help us help them. Hmm. Since I'm from Ratha, have I heard of Borath before? You have not heard of Borath. Uh, it seems that Borath, uh, from what he's uh, saying, he's been doing this stuff uh, pretty recently, kind of running through uh, with the corruption. And, uh, kind, I mean, uh, he's been uh, fighting off some of the corruption in other towns just from his stories. That's That's all you really know is that he's just appeared whenever towns are in need of help. I ask him, what do you want from the town for this help? Oh, oh, oh. He turns to you. I don't want much. Nothing much at all. We'll just uh, take our uh, payment and we'll be on our way and we'll be back and we'll, we'll make sure that they stay protected. That's all we ask. Sounds, sounds like a racket. Oh, no racket here at all. We just need to talk to the people in charge. The town uh, starts to look concerned. Some of the uh, the uh, local uh, figureheads, you know, it's just a lot of, mostly just people, the heads of these home trees. They kind of look around and they're like, not again with this madness. And they're whispering to themselves. And, uh... Borath is just smiling and looking very confident. And he's kind of just, you know, rattling off like, well, the corruption will get you if you don't, uh, you know, ask, uh, let us uh, help you all out. He seems to just be waiting for someone to cave. I step closer to Borath and say, you, you propose an interesting idea, friend. Let's discuss this in private where it can be settled. And I sort of like motion a step away. Oh, in private. Oh, in private, huh? I'll see if you can. Uh, I might actually have to go ahead and let you do a a charm on him to draw him away from his uh his group because he he really wants to put pressure on these uh the villagers right now. Yeah, I'm gonna use my Avratha and say that I'm I'm stressed, so I'm gonna take a plus one to this check. To see. All right. So I needed nine or lower. I got a six. So that's a pass. So Borath feels a little torn, but clearly you have taken up the uh, authoritarian role that he's looking for. So maybe, you know, there's something that he can get out of this. So where would you like to take him? Would you like to take him into the tavern? No, because I don't. 
I feel like there could be people in the tavern or easy for people to overhear. So I don't mind like staying sort of in the open, but like away from easy hearing range. So maybe just like bringing him away from the crowd, maybe around the other side of the tavern. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. So y'all take him off to the side. I'll say the side of the tavern because that's not where a lot of people are at the moment. Uh, his other two uh, lackeys are kind of keeping everybody uh, distracted. He says, all right, well, what do you want? What do you want from me? What do you, what do you want to talk about? I smile at him and say, I recognize a wise businessman when I see one. And I think we could get a better arrangement for both of us if we work together. You've been listening to Voices at Play, building a table for everyone. Join us in the next episode for the conclusion to this one shot. If you've enjoyed the game we're playing, and it sounds like it might be a good fit for you, please check the links in the show notes and on our website where you can find a direct route to order a copy for yourself and get playing today. Voices at Play is completely not-for-profit, but it does incur costs. This show is brought directly to you by the generosity and support of listeners like yourself who support us on our Patreon. $1 pledges are the lifeblood that make this project work. So if you're able, please head over to patreon.com forward slash voices at and pledge to join our little community, working to make the tabletop role-playing space a more diverse, vibrant, and inclusive place for all. Until next time, we'll just keep on playing.